Hello and welcome to The Strad Podcast. I'm Davina Shum, I'm a cellist and I'm the online editor at The Strad. This episode is brought to you in association with the Carl Nielsen International Competition, the president of which joins me today. Nikolai Schepp-Snyder is a violinist and conductor who won the Carl Nielsen in 1992, as well as the Queen Elizabeth competition in 1997. We talked about how competition set him up for his prolific performing and recording career, but also what Nikolai thinks competitions can do more of to help a larger group of contestants enjoy a platform or a springboard into their careers, not just the winners. You'll hear Nikolai speak about what he wants to achieve in the next edition of the Carl Nielsen competition, including the formation of Espansiva, a relaxed, off-stage environment for all competition participants to connect with musicians and industry experts in an inspiring way. There's a pop-up poem, that's all you need to know. Nikolai also speaks about what a competition jury looks for in a competition contestant, as well as advice to young people entering competitions now. Have a listen. Nikolai, welcome to the Strad Podcast. It's lovely to have you here. So we're here to talk about the Carl Nielsen International Competition, of which you are the president. That's happening in April 2022. First of all, can you tell me what's been your previous experience of competitions? Well, uh, good morning, first of all. Morning. As a student, I think it's unavoidable to be part of, of some competitions. And, you know, some you win, some you don't win. And it's all part of the experience of growing up. I don't, you know, per se have something against competition or didn't have anything against competition, but I never thought I would be involved in one until one day the phone rang. And the organizers of the of the competition said, might you be interested in, in you know, being the president of the competition? And I said, oh, no, 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 thank you, but, you know, absolutely not. And I hung up. And then I thought, well, why did I just say no, you know, without thinking about it? And I thought, well, you know, competitions have a, you know, reputation for being and very often an, an insider thing and who knows who or who studied with who and all that. And I thought, okay, but, you know, competitions also can do good. I, I know this from my own experience. You know, it can be a platform. You get to know colleagues, future colleagues of yours. And it gives you something to work towards, you know, even if you don't necessarily plan to win or make a big career. It gives you a goal, a tangible goal. And so I thought, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Instead of just saying no, maybe I should, maybe if there's a way to do it in a slightly different way, according to what I think could be beneficial for the for the young people. And then I called back, I said, wait a minute. Before I say no, let me just think about it. And I, and I came up sort of with two conditions, I said. I could be interested, but could we please have no teachers on the jury? And that was simply to avoid this danger of having this element, and not to say anything bad against teachers or students or teacher-student relationship. It's very normal that you will, you know, want your students to do well. It's just human. There's nothing, mm. nothing sinister in that. There's a bias, isn't there, for teachers to be attracted to the playing of their students? Yes. They've had a part of bringing that up. And not only that, when you hear the person, you hear the story, you hear the history of that person, you know where they came from, you know their travails, you know their struggles, how to get to where they are today. And it might be incredibly impressive how far they've come in their development, but that might not mean that they're the right persons to advance in the competition necessarily. And so just to remove that element, I thought, well, why don't we try to make a competition without teachers? That was the first thing I said. And the other condition I said was we have to be able to provide to the winner a platform. In other words, it was not enough, you know, to give them a pat on the back, as I say, and a bouquet of flowers and a check. 
That's, that's nice. I mean, it's nice. Everybody, who's, who would say no to that? Yeah, but flowers die within a week. <laughs> yeah, the money is spent too, you know. So so what, what can we really hope or want to provide to the young winners? Well, you know, a real platform, a real beginning to a career, a possibility to begin a career. And I said, if we want to do that, we need to provide concerts for the winner. Because I remember that was actually... For me, uh, having won the first prize in the Queen Elizabeth competition in Brussels, that was what really started me off. People didn't really know that I won, but it was the year following that when I was traveling in Europe and playing with a lot of people that opened all the doors. And so I wanted that we did those two things and they said, okay, and that's how we began. It has to be a springboard into the career, right? Rather than just the box that you tick saying, I won this competition and then on to the next thing. You know, how do you get to that next step? So I know that you're not on the jury next year at the Carl Nielsen competition. And you mentioned that there are no teachers on the jury. Who will be on the jury? And, you know, what are they looking for in an ideal competition candidate? Well, it's a very good question. I wish somebody would have made it more explicit explicit when I was young. Because everyone say we're looking for great talent. We're looking for, you know, accomplished instrumentalist you need a good mix in any jury it's not enough to have people from the industry agents managers orchestra managers it's not enough to have only one point of view only violinists either so we we have a, a mix we have i believe four wonderful violinists but we also have orchestra managers uh, we have mark williams from the cleveland uh, orchestra we have wonderful people in all the three juries i should say both the violin, clarinet, and, and uh, flute competitions. And what we are all looking for, and, and we are making this very, very clear, we're looking for somebody who has that artistic spark, somebody who is possessing the qualities that can make people listen. This sounds perhaps banal, but very often I remember this as a student preparing for competitions. You think, oh, but if I play in this style, the jury will, you know, then I won't make it to the next round because it's not the style they expect. And oh, no, this teacher likes it. And this, all of this has been eliminated. And what we're looking for is an artistic voice, somebody who, you know, who has something that speaks directly to people. Now, this is a tall order in any competition, but also just across the board without competitions in any generation to find those special voices. I say voices, of course, generically speaking, but that's what we're looking for. Yeah, authenticity. I imagine you want to provide a competition platform where the contestants can be themselves rather than them having to mold to what they think a jury might want. So um, advice to contestants, you know, they're often learning so much repertoire various different styles, as well as, you know, having to convey their authentic artistic voice in all these different styles. What sort of strategies would you recommend uh, for contestants to employ to keep their cool during the course of the competition? Oh, well, there's almost two questions there, and they're both very good. Uh, one is how do you, you know, nurture and find that voice in you for a competition? But that's a broader question, in fact, because it's for life. It's something that we should always strive for as musicians. I use the term artist with, with great reverence because we might be to some extent, but we are certainly recreating artists. We're not creating. We might create 
a moment, but the moment has been written. So in other words, what we are looking for is to educate our senses, educate our taste, our talent, our innate talents, to be able to speak in the most true voice that we know, the voice of the composer. That's the big challenge. And, 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 and to do that, we need many things. We need technical command of the instrument that we play. We need formal understanding of the way it's been constructed. There's so, so many things that go into an experience is one. So that's an, I mean, it's a, it's a sub uh, question or a sub theme all on its own, which we all struggle with, with doing all our lives. Uh, and that's no different for, uh, let's say, more mature performers uh, than it is for, for young contestants. We're just a little bit farther along the same path. The other question you asked is, how do young contestants keep their cool? Well, that's <laughs> that's part of the whole uh, secret, is knowing yourself, is understanding how do you perform best under pressure? How do you deal with being put on the spot? I, I suppose there's as many different solutions or answers to that question as there are mm. people. And we all need to find our way of dealing with that pressure. Now, mainly the pressure, the way I see it, is the pressure we put on ourselves, or should be. It's not to live up to some external expectation, but it's the understanding that music represents an ideal so great that no matter what we do ever, we'll never be able to fulfill its greatness. But that's at one time a liberating thought because it means we'll never finish that quest. On the other hand, it's terrifying because we'll never finish that quest. So... <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's coming to term with our limitations and it's never compromising on the struggle to try and get there. And I just wanted to say, because this is an important point for all of us who perform these great masterworks, these great achievements of humanity, the same applies. Yes, some of us are a bit older and through that experience, we are a little bit, as I said before, further along but it is very much the same path. I liked what you mentioned about having experience, you know, to contribute to your artistic voice. And that does lead me into asking you about the creation of Espansiva, which is also the name of Carl Nielsen's third symphony. So I was reading about it and it's this offstage platform for contestants to connect with musicians and industry experts. And it's also this opportunity for a relaxed setting, you know, concerts. I, I noticed there's a hard emphasis on this pop-up pub, which sounds fantastic. <laughs> You're very welcome, Davina. You're very welcome. Oh, excellent. I'll take you up on that. Tell me about these workshops. Tell me about this platform, you know, to get contestants to perhaps have some experience outside of performing in the competition. Well, what it came out of, uh, you might remember a, a moment or two ago, um, I mentioned the uh, the condition that I set in order to get involved, which was to expand the platform of the winner. Having done that successfully and being able to provide meaningful concert opportunities for the winners, we began thinking, well, that's all good. That's all lovely. But there's three winners across the competitions, nine if you count all the prize winners. But there might be what is it, a total of 72 contestants. Mm -hmm. And we thought, well, what would happen 
if instead of the usual competition procedure, which is that, you know, when you don't proceed to the next round, you leave as it were in disgrace, which of course is not the case, but it might feel that way to, to some contestants who had fought hard to prepare an entire program. We thought, well, why should an extended platform or the ability to grow and develop from being part of the competition only apply to the top three or at best the top nine? We thought, what kind of environment could we hope to create for everyone who comes? And we thought, well, let's establish some sort of, we didn't want to call it academy, but let's create a series of events that are both workshops, that are both musical and extra musical, that will be equally a part of the competition, the same way the conventional rounds of playing. And we set about creating Espansiva with the help of some wonderfully gifted and inventive people from different vantage points of the music business, managers, life coaches, uh, musicians. And what we have created is the beginning of something quite wonderful, I, I believe and hope. And that is that the thought, which is so banal and uh, have, has become cliches that everyone is a winner, yes, you know, for getting up and playing, sure, you deserve accolades and it, it's bravery and, and courage in motion. But at the same time, we thought, let's make it more tangible. Let's offer real opportunities to interact, a real opportunity to make another first impression or another impression to create meaningful relations. Because if any young people are listening right now, what you have to know is that the most important thing to create, besides the musical, of course, we all understand how, how important that is, and it all is the foundation from which everything springs, but it is relations that will carry your career long term. It's the meaningful interaction with other people, your peers, your colleagues, your counterparts at the various music institutions. And we offer the opportunity to learn about how that works from everyone, from all sides, 360 degrees, and see that and experience that firsthand. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, because I think a, a lot of people run the danger of perhaps spending their whole time in conservatoire in the practice room, practicing for these competitions, for these auditions, for these um, performances, but not really experiencing so much outside of that. It sounds to me a little bit like you're replicating a kind of festival atmosphere where like you might get knocked out in the first round, but you can still stick around and uh, meet people, connect with other contestants. Am I right in thinking this sort of vibe? <laughs> well, you're, you're right and, and half right on all counts. I mean, there's two things that we imagine. First of all, we imagine that you sign up for the whole shebang whether you you know you're in it for the final round so you're out of the after the first round is expected you stay you become part of the the competition it would be would be madness to leave honestly because as we know any opportunity that you have to create that meaningful relationship to make an impression or indeed to learn from someone uh, that is an opportunity one should never miss yeah. It would be, in my view, absolute madness to leave when you have a cohort of people from the musical world, all of whom have knowledge that you as a young person need to know. Yeah. 
and who are willing to share that knowledge. The second thing you said, which is 100% true, is that you mentioned the words festival atmosphere, and that is exactly what we hope to create. What do we mean by that? We mean, of course, that it's not a dry academic setting, which is why we purposefully did not call it uh, an academy. The Espensiva Academy sounds so bourgeois somehow. Hub, I would rather call it a hub than a pub. Um, I mean, I'm sure there will be beverages to imbibe, but the main focus there is actually still music and interaction. So we hope to do that. And the, the reason we mentioned informal atmosphere is because we feel that it's the setting that has the most or greatest likelihood yielding the kind of honest interpersonal relationships that we can hope for. In other words, if you, if you do it very formally, the risk is that there becomes a big distance between, uh, you know, you have a dais, perhaps everyone would be raised and sitting up higher, you know, raised on their pedestals. Yeah, you, you'd have separation in that sense. You're absolutely right, um, Davina. And what we're hoping to, to do by that is emphasize that we have been walking the same path. We've just been walking it longer. And we are happy and willing to share the knowledge that we've learned along the way. Nikolai, thank you so much for speaking with me today about your view on competitions and your approach to competitions and also telling us a bit more about Espensiva. Davina, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. That was Nikolai Sheps Snyder. Right now, you're listening to Nikolai perform the first movement of the Nielsen Violin Concerto. And if you're a violinist or indeed a clarinetist or flute player who happens to be listening to a string instrument podcast, though everyone's welcome here, if you're interested in entering the Carl Nielsen competition, check the show notes for a link on how to apply. Applications close on the 30th of October and you must be under the age of 30 on the first day of the competition, which will be held from the 1st to the 10th of April 2022. And don't forget to head to our website, thestrad.com, to check out the latest news and articles on all things to do with string playing. And if you like what you see and hear, register and subscribe to access exclusive archival content from 2010 onward. Don't forget, we've got 50% off an online subscription for students. Check the show notes for the link. Thanks for listening and tune in again soon for another episode. Bye.